Hello, everyone, and welcome back to another episode of Getting Spooky with Knox. I am your host, Knox, and today we're back with another Urban Legends episode. Last week, we talked about the Zodiac Killer, and this week, we're discussing West Virginia and Urban Legends. It's a special episode because my dad is actually from West Virginia. Uh, he grew up there, he was born there, and I'm going to be sharing a couple of his stories that he's experienced um, when he was in West Virginia. And so, yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to be sharing them with you today. And after this episode, there's going to be a special episode where I talk to my dad about his experiences, both in West Virginia and then on our ghost hunting experiences. So you'll get to hear about his experiences at the Exchange Hotel and at Goatman's Bridge. And I'm just, I'm really excited that he agreed to do it because he hates his voice on recordings, but I managed to convince him to do this, so I'm super excited. He's not here with me right now because he's actually at work, so I have to wait for him to get home, but for you all, you're lucky. You can just go from this episode to the next one, and boom, bada, bing, we're there. Um, so yeah, I'm just, I'm really excited to be talking about this. I've been looking forward to it uh, for a while now. I've been trying to figure out when I was going to do the West Virginia Urban Legends, and I figured, why not in the Urban Legends part of this podcast for season one with West Virginia and so here we are we're doing West Virginia urban legends and I'm so excited okay so let's jump into this let me tell you what the first urban legend I have picked out is and that is the Mothman I had to start with Mothman I know he's really popular and a lot of people know about him I'm so sorry you might be able to hear my dog barking um but anyways so we're gonna talk about Mothman And the Mothman appeared in the late 60s. There was a story about five men who were digging a grave when they saw a creature that had the appearance of a man but with wings that was flying in the sky above their heads. After that, there was a couple from Point Pleasant that was driving along when their headlights caught sight of a creature. They said that it had grayish skin, red eyes, and a 10-foot wingspan. From there, things just kind of sparked... um, a wildfire of sightings with the Mothman, and the one that kind of gave Mothman his claim to fame was in December of 1967, it was December 15th, the Mothman was claimed to have been sighted right before the Silver Bridge collapsed and killed 46 people. And so it was said that the Mothman was sort of like this bad omen because people saw him right before the bridge collapsed and people were killed, and he just kind of was this a symbol of bad of bad omens and so now anytime the mothman is spotted it's not really a good sign people think that he it resides in an area known um as the tnt area because during world war ii there was a munitions plant there and a lot of people believe that mothman could possibly have been created by whatever they used at this munitions plant when World War II was around, so maybe that there was something in the water, something in the ground, maybe it was a mutation of some sort that happened to a moth, maybe it happened to a man, no one's really sure, but there there are rumors or beliefs that this is where the Mothman came from. Um, If you go to Point Pleasant, so where that young couple saw the Mothman when they were driving, there is a festival held on the third weekend of every September. There was also a statue that was created by Bob Roach and was shown to the world in 2003. 
There is also a museum and research center called the Mothman Museum and Research Center that opened in 2005 and is run by a man named Jeff Walmsley. Now, I've never been to Point Pleasant myself. I'm not even sure if my dad has been to Point Pleasant. Like, he's never talked about it. I think he's driven by there a couple of times. Don't quote me on that. I am not sure. Um, But I know that he has never been to Point Pleasant when the statue or the museum opened. My dad left West Virginia in the late 80s early 90s I believe like he no longer lived in West Virginia so he had no reason to go to Point Pleasant because he just wasn't around anymore and he wasn't really into this too in his younger days so I wouldn't expect him to go to the festival or to see the museum or things like that so yeah but I would love to go I would love to convince my dad to take me because I he knows West Virginia since he grew up there so I would love to have my dad take me and maybe I can convince him to take me this year in September to the Mothman um, festival. I would love to talk with Jeff Walmsley about his museum and research center, see what he's found out about Mothman, see what it's like there, Um, just get his insight on everything. I think that would be totally awesome to just be able to talk to Jeff. Um, So yeah, that's all I have for you on the Mothman. He's pretty popular. A lot of people know about him, so I didn't want to give away like too much information. but that's the gist of Mothman. He's he's this humanoid creature. He's a cryptid. I haven't heard of any recent sightings. Like there, I haven't seen anything in the news or headlines or on Twitter. I know Twitter would probably be blowing up because people love cryptids. So I, I know Twitter would probably be blowing up if there was a Mothman sighting. Um, there's been a couple videos out there. Like there's one that was caught and it looks like Mothman flying through the sky. Um, that one, I'm not really sure if it is Mothman. I think it could possibly be like an eagle carrying a snake in its talons. Uh, yeah, I don't know if y'all know what video I'm talking about, but it looks like Mothman is carrying something. And people were like, oh, it's Mothman. My dad and I are a little iffy on that. We're not really sure if it is Mothman. But yeah, but there, there are videos, there are pictures, um, there are other stories out there, but those are the main ones that are kind of more popular, the the two, the couple and the, the five men that claim to have seen it and then the Silver Bridge collapse. So the second story that I have for you is the Headless Students, and this one does not sound pleasant, right? So here's the story behind it. In the 1970s, there were two girls that decided that they were going to hitchhike back to Evansdale to their dorm. So they were college students, and they had gone to the mall or the the movies or something, and it was late by the time they got finished with what they were doing, so they were just deciding that they were going to hitchhike back. They went missing, only to be discovered months later with their heads missing, and their bodies had been discovered at an old mining road that was located near Fairmont, West Virginia. The murderer confessed to their crimes, but unfortunately, their heads were never found, so their heads are still out there somewhere. And people have claimed to have seen um, apparitions running around, so this is where things turn spooky. And if you are near the Cheat Lake area, people have claimed that they've heard screams, growling, whistling, all of it coming from the woods. And it is believed that it is the girls searching for their lost heads. Now, there are also car accidents that happen along this um, road and area because, like I said, people have claimed to see apparitions running back and forth in the woods. 
Um, so just be careful if you are in the Fairmont area and you're you're kind of like in this location where the old mining road is because there have been car accidents. I think it'd be kind of cool to see um, if what people say is true, like go up there, see if you can see the girls running around. I'd totally be careful because West Virginia is known for some curvy roads. So I can see how easily it would be for an accident to happen in this area. Um, I don't think the spirits are malicious or anything like that. I think they're just looking for their lost heads. I don't think they mean any ill will. I haven't heard of anything of people, you know, being attacked by these ghosts. You know, there's just been car accidents, which is because people have gotten spooked because, of, you know, you see a running body. You're not quite sure if it's an apparition or not. You swerve to miss them. You wreck your car. That I can understand. I don't think it's done on purpose. I think it's just these girls happen to appear at a time a car is coming and they crash. So I, I don't think they're malicious spirits. I think that they're just trying to find their lost heads. And that's all I have on those two. Unfortunately, you know, something tragic happened to them. And now they're, they're forever searching for their heads. The third story that I have for you is about Screaming Jenny. So over 100 years ago, there was a poor woman named Jenny who lived in a shed near Harper's Ferry. This, the shed she took refuge in was near some train tracks. And one night, she tried building a fire in the shed to keep herself warm because West Virginia can get pretty cold. And unfortunately for Jenny, her fire caused the rest of the shed to catch on fire as well. And she also was caught on fire. So she ran screaming from the shed as the flames engulfed her. And she headed straight for the train tracks. At that time, there was also a train coming towards her. And the driver tried to stop, but he couldn't and ran over Jenny. After that incident, there have been other train conductors say that they see a burning body running toward them and when they come to a stop and get out to look for the body there's nothing there so it it must be i hate the thought that this poor woman is living her afterlife always engulfed in flames running around trying to put herself out they also say that if you're in the harper's ferry area you may be able to see poor Jenny running around on fire and hear her screaming. Uh, that would not be a pleasant sight. I, I can handle regular ghosts, but seeing a fireball uh, running around screaming, that'd be, I think that would be really traumatic. I know it's really traumatic for Jenny herself being trapped forever, because they say that if you die in a horrendous way, then you know, you're you're going to be trapped in between here and the afterlife. And so I, I believe that's why Jenny is still here, just because of her painful death and how kind of sudden it was. So I just, I feel for Jenny and I would hate to be stuck in an endless loop of catching on fire and running around screaming. So yeah, this fourth story that I have for you is actually a ghost story from my grandparents. So my grandfather used to be a coal miner and on occasion he would have to go to the northern part of West Virginia. And while he stayed there, he stayed in a trailer that had belonged to this older woman. She had passed away and her furniture was still there so it was fully furnished. And I, I think the coal miners were the only people that used it since it was so close to where they worked. And my grandmother wouldn't always go with my grandfather, but on this one occasion, she decided that she was, and I believe this was before my dad or either of my aunts came along. 
Um, so she didn't have to worry about staying home with the kids. So she had gone with my grandfather to keep him company and everything like that. And while my grandfather was working one night, my grandma, my grandmother was in the trailer alone. And I don't remember what she was doing. I know she was getting ready for bed or she was in bed. She was either reading or watching TV. Um, and out of the corner of her eye, she saw something move. And when she looked over, there was a full-bodied apparition of an older woman there. And my grandmother said that, I don't believe my dad said that my grandmother was scared. I think she was just more shocked than anything else. And she was like, if you're the older woman that used to live here, you know, I'm just here temporarily. My husband, he works in the mines and I'm just staying with him while he's here doing a job. Cause he would stay in the Northern part of West Virginia for two weeks and then he'd have two weeks off and that's how it would work. So she was like, I'm just here with my husband for these two weeks that he's working when we go home I'm only going to take the things that I brought with me and you know I'll leave your stuff here and she said that the apparition of the woman just slowly turned around and drifted out of the room and she never saw the older woman again and she said the next day when she got up and everything and she was talking to my grandfather she she looked at my grandfather she went have you ever seen anything odd in here and he looked at her and he goes, you saw the old woman, didn't you? And she goes, yeah. And he goes, thank God, I thought I was going crazy. So that's just a little ghost story that my grandfather had um, and my grandmother had from when they stayed in a trailer while my grandfather was working in the mines one time. Um, so, yeah, I, I've i always wanted to see a full-bodied apparition. I have not had the luck of seeing a an actual, like, full-bodied apparition. I've only ever seen shadow figures. Um, so I could just imagine how creepy this would be. And my grandparents, I don't know if they really believed in the paranormal, um, but my grandmother did believe in, like, spirits and stuff like that. So I don't think it shocked her too much to see a ghost, but I think it was just a little, it was a little shocking for her to see the spirit of this older woman. Now, this last part I have for you is my dad's stories. I saved the best for last. Um, he has a couple here that I'm going to share with you, and later when I talk to him, I'll get him to kind of give you a more detailed explanation, um, from his own words. I asked him about this, I got his own words, but I I would rather you all hear it from him, but I'm going to give you a lowdown on everything that he told me. So, there's a couple stories here. My dad was in the National Guard, um, he, he had to go back to West Virginia because that's where his base was, I believe, um, for weekend duties. And at this time, he did not live in West Virginia, so he had to drive back. And he had finished his weekend duty. He was coming home. My mom and my dad were married at this point. So this was probably the early 90s, I believe. Yeah, because my parents, uh, well, no, this... Yeah, yeah, this is the early 90s. I'm sorry. Yeah, this is early 90s. My parents are married. Anyways, um, and he he drove a 73 El Camino, and it broke down right before this bridge. I'm not going to tell you what bridge because my dad, he doesn't want you knowing what part of West Virginia he's from, so I, I can't tell you what bridge. Um, maybe I can convince him to tell you what bridge later when I talk to him, but for right now, I'm going to respect his wishes, and I'm not going to tell you what bridge. So he broke down right before a bridge, and he had to walk about five miles to the nearest town to get a new fan belt. So this is before cell phones. Like, cell phones were not really a thing yet. 
So just imagine you're you're stranded in West Virginia. It's winter time. This was around this time. So it was January, February, something like that. And um he had to walk five miles in the cold, no cell phone, in the dark because it's nighttime, and he he's walking down this road and he hears something following him on in the woods on a cliff above him on the opposite side of the road. So he's walking and all of a sudden he starts hearing something following him. And he said that when he ran, it ran. When he walked, it walked. And when he stopped, it stopped. He says he doesn't think it was anything on two legs. He thinks it was on four. Uh, it made a lot of noise when it walked through the leaves. So it wasn't a deer or um or anything small like a squirrel or a rabbit or whatever. It was something bigger. Um, but to this day, he has no idea what it was. It could have been a mountain lion. It could have been um, a panther of some sort. Because I think panthers and mountain lions. I think he always said that they were different things in West Virginia. I don't know. Um, but it could have been something big like that. I don't think it could have been a bear. I don't think it had that distinct bear sound. Because um, my dad has been chased by bears before. Um, I'll get him to tell you that story too. So I'll hope, hopefully I'll remember that later. But yeah, he's been chased by a bear. Anyways, um, but he, he just doesn't have any idea what it was. So it could have been um, a mountain lion. It could have been the Mothman. It could have been anything. My dad just isn't sure. And it only stopped when he reached a four lane road. And let me tell you, he said that he was scared and he just didn't know what to do he had a I think he had a knife on him so he said he was prepared for a fight if it had to come down to that but luckily you know it didn't he he managed to get to the store in time before it closed he got a new fan belt he managed to call my grandfather who came and helped picked him up helped him put the fan belt on and they he was like you can stay here for the night but my dad was like nah I want to get home and my mom said that she was so worried the entire time. Like, she was waiting for him to get home because he his car had broken down. He had my grandmother call my, my mom. And um, he she my grandmother told my mom what was going on. My mom said, yeah, I was just so nervous. I was so scared that something was going to happen to him. And so, yeah. But that's that story. I know it's nothing really paranormal or urban legendy, But I just, I wanted to include it because to this day, like my dad said, he just, does not know what it was and it really freaked him out because he wasn't sure if he was being stalked by something of this world or something otherworldly it was just really scary for him um this last story that I have for you that he shared with me was from a time when him and a friend from high school went camping on his friend's property so this was before my dad moved out of the state he had just graduated high school he was either still in high school or he had just graduated high school um and him and his friend had found this small cave so it wasn't a big cave it was basically just a rock formation that went back a ways um so it wasn't a deep cave and they decided that they were going to camp there one night and they went down there and this story always gives me chills when he tells it when I tell it and so they were in this cave, they were going to sleep, and it was around midnight when a pack of dogs came through. And my dad said, I have this, <laughs> I have chills going up my side. He said that there was this one dog that just did not look right. And this is a quote from my dad. He said, quote, 
it looked fucked up. It was the back dog, and it was on all fours, but it walked almost like a humanoid werewolf on all fours, end quote. So I don't know if you've seen Underworld. Uh, I believe it was the one where Celine has her daughter, but where the werewolves kind of look, um, you know, run down, ragged, and they're walking on all fours. I think that's kind of how he said that this one walked um if you haven't seen underworld uh think harry potter um probably i forget the prisoner of azkaban when professor lupin changes into a werewolf and how he kind of lopes off on all fours think think that think that um and he claims it looked like a dog, but it didn't. And seeing him try to explain what it looked like, I I can tell he'd never seen anything quite like it before. And him trying to just find the words to articulate what this thing looked like was kind of funny, but also terrifying at the same time. Because, like, what what could it have been that my dad can't describe what it was? And he said that it was following the pack of dogs, but it was almost as if it was stalking them as well. But it seemed like it was part of the group, so he just, he wasn't sure. And the pack of dogs didn't acknowledge the cave, but the one in the back seemed to slow down, and it looked into the cave before moving on. So he said that a little while later, there was also something on top of the cave, And so where the cave was, it was this huge rock, like I said, but then on top of it was dirt. So there were trees and leaves and stuff growing around it. And when they they heard grunts and like it was scratching or pawing at the ground. And when they went up the following morning, he said that the leaves and the dirt had been disturbed by something, but he couldn't um, tell what could have disturbed it, like what type of paws or anything had disturbed the ground. And he said that the day before when they went camping, they went through the same area and the leaves and the dirt had not been disturbed. So whatever it was that they had heard had been the cause of the disturbance in the, in the dirt and leaves. And after all of that, so after the dogs came through and they heard the sound, um, he says that probably an hour and a half away, um, hour and a, I'm sorry. He said that probably like an hour and a half later, way down in the woods, that there was this, it wasn't really a bark or a howl. And again, he didn't know how to describe it, but it was like a crying howl. And it was down in the woods further and it lasted for about 10 minutes. Um, He said that he had my grandfather's pistol on him and he had his hand on it the entire time, ready to go in case he needed to shoot it. So he was cocked locked and ready to rock and he told me that the next day when they when him and his friend woke up that um him and his friend were both like did you did you hear that did you see that neither one of them knew that the other was awake the entire night they just laid there silently all night because they were terrified and my dad said um quote the thing about it was is that I didn't know he, his friend, was awake and scared, you know, and I was awake and scared because I didn't know what the hell was going on. And the next morning, they were talking about about it and found out that neither one of us had gone back to sleep, end quote. So neither one of them got any sleep that night. And my dad 
to this day, like, that story gives me chills. And my dad, to this day, does not know how to describe that dog. And I remember when I was a kid, he would tell me his stories from his time growing up. And that story, he watered it down so much because he just said that it was a pack of dogs went running through and then we don't know there's just something on the roof of the the cave that we were in and then years later I'm like hey dad tell me about the time about the pack of dogs and he was like oh yeah there was this one that looked messed up and I'm like you never told me this when I was a kid he was like yeah because I didn't want to scare you so I didn't know until years later that he had this sort of like paranormal experience with the dogs and the cave and everything so it was wild but yeah that's my dad's story and I'll have him tell it to you so you can have a better um first-hand experience um from someone telling you I'm just I'm telling you from what I heard from him so he can kind of explain it better to you and that's all I have for you today I hope you enjoyed it and like the stories that I picked for you If you have any questions or comments about this episode or if you would like to request a true crime, paranormal event, urban legend, or secret societies episode, then feel free to email me at getspookywithme at gmail.com or contact me through my Twitter at SpookyNox or message me through my website, which is linked in my Twitter bio. Next week is a paranormal episode, and it is also the last episode of the season. We'll be talking about Povelia Island in Venice, Italy. Um, I'm really excited to talk to you about Povelia Island and just give you the lowdown on what, what's happened there, the history about the place, and all of that. Um, thank you for listening. I hope you all have a good day. Um, you'll get another episode here um, in a little bit, and I will talk to you all next time. Bye.